Here at Just Baseball, we have teamed up with BetMGM for the 2023 MLB season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use code JUSTBASEBALL, and you will get up to a $1,000 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Step number one, download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code JUSTBASEBALL. Step number two, deposit at least $10 and place your first wager on any game. Step number three, you will receive up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your bet loses. Just make sure you use bonus code JUSTBASEBALL when you sign up. Disclaimer, 21 plus to wager. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. U.S. promotional offers not available in Washington, D.C., Mississippi, Nevada, New York, and Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in Colorado, Washington, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. Call 1-800-522-4700 in Kansas and Nevada. Call 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. Call 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. Call 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code JUSTBASEBALL and get your $1,000 first bet offer today. Wednesday, June 7th on the Just Baseball Show, and we are brought to you by the King of Sportsbooks, and that is BetMGM. Use code JustBaseball when you download BetMGM. When you use that code, you will get a risk-free bet up to $1,000 depending on what you deposit. And of course, gambling problem? Call or text 1-800-GAMBLER. Arm. It is Ellie De La Cruz Day, and I'm yes. Peter Apple. And unfortunately, we are recording on Tuesday, June 6th, so we don't have his exact stat line yet. We don't know how he did in his first game, but with how excited we are and with how much content we're producing, not only, on, again, on this show and on JustBaseball.com, I think conservatively we can say four for four with four home runs. Is that fair? I'm, I'm mentally preparing for the 0 for four with three strikeouts, and then I get the text, this is your top prospect? Like, it just never fails, but no, it, it is so exciting, man. I, I, this is a guy that obviously we've, we've talked about a lot on the show, a lot on the call up. I, I think you look at the talent in terms of, of, you know, you've talked about this too. There's not really any examples of this. Like you, you see some Acuna, you see some Tatis, you see some of all of these. And that's not to say that he's the combination of all of them. And he's the greatest thing to ever grace a baseball field. Just talking about what he has in his tool bag is just something we haven't quite seen. Of course, that isn't the entire equation, uh, and there's more to it, which the number one thing is how much is he going to hit? But I think he's continued to answer that question you know, as much as he can, too, getting better and better in the bat-to-ball department as well. So I, I feel like you've got to be feeling pretty good about your Reds' future. Obviously, we knew Ellie was coming up, but we didn't know how soon it would be. We were hoping it would be early June. 
here we are. He's up on June 6th. Now he's going to have plenty of time to help, hopefully, you know, kind of help this Reds team make a little bit of a push. They definitely got better today. And when we talk about the tool bag, right, which sometimes can be referred to as calling a dude a douchebag, but with him, it's called a tool bag because of the array of incredible talent areas that he has from the hit tool to the power tool, speed, arm. What else am I forgetting? Hit, power, speed, arm, field. The five yeah. tools. We call them five tool players. That's why you bring up guys like Ronald Acuna Jr. and Fernando Tatis Jr. or Fernando Tatis. So I'm curious, Aram. You write up your top 100 prospects on JustBaseball.com, which is excellent and of course is available. How did you grade the tools? How did yeah, they I compare? Got him in front of me. I got them in front of me right now. So I have I had a 40 on the hit you know, with a 45 future, that's the only reason why he's not a quote unquote five tool player because of the swing and miss. But again, he's continued to improve in that department, 80 power, which is, is just silly 70 run and then 55 field, but he has an 80 arm as well. So I don't know if we've ever seen, like, I can't think of a guy that was 80 power, 70 speed, 80 arm and a switch hitter. Like, I, I just don't, I don't think that exists. So we're, we're really about to see an, an alien, you know, and, and for the same reasons that everyone loves O'Neill Cruz, we talk about like the way he hits the ball, a six foot seven guy that is as fast as he is. Ellie is all of that. And I think just a better all around player and might even have louder tools somehow. Um, I think they're the same speed, if not slightly faster. I think they they both have about the same power, but Ellie does it from both sides. Uh, and then I think Ellie, probably will will blossom into a better defender so it is really amazing to to see that what this guy has turned into he was a sixty five thousand dollar international free agent sixty five thousand dollars like we see guys signing for four or five million dollars left and right so many guys sign for a million five hundred thousand even two hundred thousand whatever it is sixty five thousand dollars anybody could have topped that that barely scrapes the surface of your international bonus pool that nobody really was that interested because he didn't look anything like this. It's been one of the most insane developments we've seen from a prospect. And um, I think Reds fans should be really excited. I'm glad baseball seems to be getting a little bit more exciting in Cincinnati, which is, which is cool to see. I mean, we just saw Andrew Abbott debut. How nice was that? He looked really good. He looks like he can help fortify that rotation. The Reds, it's starting to happen. You know, you're starting to see that talent matriculate to the big leagues. You absolutely are, and Ellie De La Cruz is on his way. And the last part about Ellie De La Cruz, then we're going to talk about Jonathan India. Ellie De La Cruz, you said that you would give him an 80-power tool, which is surprising to me because of normally how conservative you are, right? Yeah. You don't you don't just give out 80 tools, you know, like they're candy on Halloween. That's that's not what you do. You, you gave Bryce Miller an 80 fastball, right? And you stuck on that and look at how that fastball has performed up to this point. Like you don't just give those out. No. So explain why, because you did say 40 to 45 on the hit tool. Yeah. So you are saying that there are some swing and miss, but just talk about what Reds fans should expect at the plate just from the hit and the power tool. Yeah. So, I mean, that was before the, he broke the stat cast records too. So it was, it was one of those things where it was, Beyond the fact that he's hitting the ball 119, 120 miles an hour, like way more than anybody else, it was how often he was hitting the ball 105 to 110. Like he had 22 batted balls last year, 
over 110 miles an hour. Uh, like that's just off the charts kind of stuff. And, and that was last year. He's already tapping into more power now. So I, I had 70 last year with the 80 future and now he's tapped into that 80 future. So it, it is really rare to find. Like I, again, I don't know if, if I can remember the last time we've really given out an 80 power, even look at a Jordan Walker, phenomenal power. It's just not the same. Uh, it's just not the same in terms of max exit velocity and how consistently they're getting to the 110s, how consistently he's hitting 115 mile per hour uh, batted balls from both sides of the plate. Uh, and then on top of that, it's the carry that he gets too. It's not just hard in terms of velocity. They're going 480 feet. Like he's getting carry. He's hitting them in the air. It's not a guy that puts the ball on the ground a ton. Uh, so that's another part of it as well. It just so much distance on all of these home runs. And now you put him in great American ballpark. How many times did you see? I know you, you see me put these clips up because I think they're the funniest things in the world. Elie De La Cruz is the only guy that I've seen repeatedly think he flew out and actually it was a home run. You, you saw the clip where it's like, I, I he, he hits one up in the air. It ends up being a home run and he like throws his bat down. He's like, shit. And it's gone like by a lot. He so doesn't it's a guy even that know, doesn't even know, doesn't even doesn't, know his own strength. Doesn't know his own strength. Now imagine a great American ballpark. He's going to do that like every game. He's going to think he flew out like for the first three months. That park is so small. It's crazy. I hate to use the word, but shout out our guy, Javier Reyes. Ellie De La Cruz is revolutionary. He might be revolutionary. This is revolutionary. This is what we all thought O'Neill Cruz could potentially be, except he is a better hitter and arguably has more power. Mm -hmm. The arm is right there. The speed. I think he's faster. You might he be, you saw that play, that play where the the it was a bloop single to center field, and he was on first, and he got to third. By the time the center fielder picked the ball up, Ellie was just touching second base, and he got to third before the throw, and it was a good throw. He runs different. He hits yeah. different. He is different. This is what revolutionary is, ladies and gentlemen. This man is about to change baseball. I mean, I don't want to go, obviously I don't want to go that far, but I do want to go that far. Maybe <laughs> it's, it's the excitement going out of me, but you watch this guy in the minor leagues and it's nothing we've ever seen before. It is similar to Tatis in that way where it's such incredible electricity. But dare I say, Tatis doesn't have Ellie De La Cruz's power. Tatis doesn't quite. have the arm yeah, that Ellie does. And Tatis is now an outfielder. Ellie can play short. Yeah. No, I know. It's it's really fascinating. Again, the one big sticking point is going to be the hit tool because all of those tools are great. But if you strike out 35% of the time, then none of these things matter um, if you don't hit enough, obviously. So I think he will. And that's why I think this is going to be one of the best players in baseball very, very soon. There might be some growing pains. Like he might have those games where he strikes out. He's 21 and he's, he's long and he's a switch hitter. So if it takes some time, if he has some ebbs and flows, be patient because when it all comes together, I, I do think this is going to be one of the best players. If not his ceiling is best player in major league baseball. And the reds are now in a very interesting spot. We talked about Andrew Abbott in the rotation. You know, they can bring up Andrew Abbott because of course, Nick Lodolo is still yeah. on the IL. Hunter Green has either looked like the best pitcher in baseball or one of the worst pitchers in baseball. And Graham Ashcraft is on a terrible slide right now. He has yeah. been horrible. So Andrew Abbott in the rotation, that's great. But when we look at the Reds in the infield, bringing up Matt McClain, 
right? They have Jonathan India. You have Spencer Steer. They have a lot of different infielders, and that doesn't even include Noel V. Marte, who could potentially be up maybe by the end of the year or maybe next year. But the point is that they have a glut in the infield. It's great for Reds fans because they have all these great players, but what it does is it sparks conversations about trades. And this is from Chris Rose, who had an opportunity to speak with Jonathan India about the trade rumors. And I quote, it is sad to think of, you know, there's rumors about it going around. I know where I stand with this team, and I hope that's not going to happen. They told me it's not, so we'll see. I know I'm a second baseman, and that's what I truly am moving forward, but we'll see what happens. I'm going to give it all for this team. Yeah. It's the harsh reality of this situation, right? I don't think that the Reds should definitely trade Jonathan India. I think they should figure out a way to keep his bat in the lineup, whether that moving him to the outfield or just keeping him at set in at second base and moving other pieces around because Jonathan India does have some severe home road splits. He is a guy who has crushed baseballs at great American ballpark and on the road, he has been a below average hitter. So what types of teams would be interested and would the Reds even be interested? But at the same time, like I don't want Jonathan India to be traded because I believe he should stick as a Red, and I know he wants to. But you know those conversations are are being had in the front office of the Cincinnati Reds saying, what do we do here? Yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting spot. I, I think that it's okay to listen. And I was talking about this. Clay Snowden wrote a whole piece on this. So if you want more on this specific topic that you know Peter and I are talking about, go check out that article at JustBaseball.com. It's called Sorting Out the Reds Enfield with Ellie De La Cruz coming soon. And he put that out last week. And, you know, here's Ellie De La Cruz. So it's tough because Matt McClain, and you remember when we talked about this, we touched on this briefly when McClain was called up because I was like, I love this because McClain can now maybe secure the position and, you know, force the Reds to – do something else. Like he has an opportunity here to kind of prove himself. And McLean's done just that. Right? He's hitting 329, 389, 500 with a pair of home runs while playing above average defense so far at shortstop. So if it ain't broke, you don't fix it. So do you, you don't move McLean off of short unless yeah. you are just dead set on Ellie playing shortstop. Ellie predominantly played short in triple uh, a, but he did play a fair amount of third base as well. Made a handful of starts there. So I'm I'm going to be fascinated to see how they do this. If they plan to put Ellie at third and they're okay with that, Ellie will grade out as as a really good defender. I think he's a solid defender at short. He could be an elite defender at third. You put him at third, you put McLean at short, and Indy at second. I think that makes the most sense right now. But for whatever reason, we have seen, and these don't just come out of thin air. This was the no, they don't. That talked about it. I think, you know, John India saying they said they aren't going to trade me means he's talked about it with them. Obviously, this came from somewhere. I I don't know why, though, because this is a team that's kind of trying to build something here. And I feel like too many bats is, is a fine problem to have. You can figure that out. It's not a problem the Reds have had for a while. And like you mentioned, the home road splits, Peter team see that like you know where we don't if we if you and i see it i promise you most gms are aware of jonathan india's home road splits are you parting with a top prospect for a guy with an adwrc plus away from home like again i think india would settle in and have less dramatic splits but it is enough of a red flag like are you parting with a top prospect for john india 
maybe a team that's desperate enough to do it might because yeah. the Reds, you know, they do have Nick Senzel. They have, you know, Jose Barrero. They have Kevin Newman, who has been great at the top of the lineup for them. You can move Spencer Steer over to first. Yeah. And you can potentially, and then you still have this logjam. So I brought three teams that could potentially be desperate enough to trade a top prospect for a Jonathan India. And I want to go through them with you. I'm going to start with the Toronto Blue Jays. The Toronto Blue Jays are competing right now in the American League East. And their offense has been good, but they could potentially see a Jonathan Indian say, all right, if he goes to the Rogers Center, it's still a pretty decent place to hit. We don't need him to hit second. He could be a fantastic sixth hitter. And I know Blue Jays fans, they just heard me say that and said, what about Whit Merrifield? And Whit Merrifield is a good player. He's been playing a lot of second base for him. I think he's hitting 300. But the reality is he's slugging below 400. And when I look at a guy like Whit Merrifield, I think he would be at his best when he's playing a bunch of different positions. He could be that ultimate utility guy. Like Kevin Biggio, I don't think that they want him consistently in the lineup. Their bench is very, very weak. So I look at a Blue Jays team, could they potentially part with a very good prospect for Jonathan India? The second team... The Padres have to do something. They have to. Right now, they have Rugnit Odor hitting fifth in their lineup and playing second base every day or potentially playing in the outfield. But they don't really have a great second base option right now, right? Like you move, you potentially you could say Haseon Kim, and I, I know that they could potentially move some guys around. But I'm seeing Rugnit Odor play a lot of baseball. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if the San Diego Padres who are trying to make the playoffs with all this money and knowing that A.J. Preller is a psycho and would definitely do a trade, could he be that option? And the last team I want to bring to you is the Los Angeles Angels. Because the Angels, of course, are in the midst of trying to convince Otani to stay, right? They're in the thick of it. They are not out of it yet. Brandon Jury can play some second base. Of course, Zach Neto has taken over shortstop. But I would move Brandon Jury to first, and I can't really watch Jared Walsh play much more baseball to be completely honest with you maybe he bounces back but the Angels are in win now mode as much of a win now mode as any other team in Major League Baseball so I I I identified those three teams as not only landing spots who need a second baseman but three teams who could be desperate enough to part with the top prospect who of those teams do you think makes the most sense I think the Angels, because to your point, I mean, I think you got to look at Jared Walsh, and I think he's dealing with you know a lot of stuff in terms yeah. of the insomnia and the headaches and what. But it, like he can't, he can't really hit right now, and I, I just don't think that's a guy that's given you much there. And then you know, Gio Ur- Urshela is is fine. Uh, you know, I think that's a fine bench piece, but ultimately he's just not going to slug much. I think he's got what a one hundred one WRC plus so far this year. Like that's that's fine. I think you'd have to be confident in the fact that Jonathan India would be better than that. Um, but I think the angels make the most sense. Also, they have a lot of, I think arms that would be of interest to the reds, you know, potentially in, in double a or high a, uh, a few other prospects that could be of interest as well. And again, like you said, they're, they're trying to push the chips forward. I wonder if the Padres would tread lightly after Brennan trading for Brendan Drury and then kind of seeing him fall off after having that great American ballpark success and then heading over to San Diego and, you know, not quite being as good. He was still fine though there offensively. Um, I I do wonder though, 
it's worse than I thought, Peter. Do you do you know how bad the splits are? They're bad. Like they're real bad. Worse than I thought. 233, 297, 310 on the road. It's a 69 WRC plus. At home, 321, 423, 536. It's a 959 OPS versus a 607 OPS. That's almost like bizarre to me. It just seems like that's almost impossible no matter where you're playing. Like that, just to have that kind of juxtaposition. That said, I, I do think that there's teams that, that would take a chance on him. And he's also under control until 2027. Yeah. So I think any of those teams make sense. I could see the Jays being more hell bent on pitching. I think the Angels make the most sense of those names that you pitched. Yeah, I could I could definitely see the Angels. I, I, the reason I guess um, I mentioned the Blue Jays too is that the Blue Jays just are straight up not playing that great of baseball. Yeah, right. And the offense has been lackluster when you compare it to what we think the Blue Jays should be. So while I do think that the Blue Jays should attack the pitching market, I also think that this is an area of need for them. And they've been willing to part with top prospects, right? You know, they traded Gabriel Moreno, even though, of course, they have Alejandro Kirk. They've been willing to make trades like that. And when I look at the Blue Jays team, I look at the outfield like, you ain't moving off Kevin Kiermeyer. He's been awesome, right? You still got Varsho out there. You still have Springer. Then you look at around the infield, right? Matt Chapman, Bo Bichette, and Vladdy. Then you look at catcher and you got Kirk. So what's the one area of concern? It'd be Whit Merrifield. And I'm not saying he's a huge area of concern. He can definitely be your second baseman this season. But I'm sure that Blue Jays fans are only, you know, thinking about the potential George Springer injury that seems to pop up every single season. I hope it doesn't happen, but we know that it could potentially happen again. Being able to move Whit Merrifield, give guys days off, and that bench is already weak. So that's what I was thinking about. The Blue Jays could be a real option. And then I thought about the Padres because their second base option right now is is yeah. far below average. And they need to make more moves if they have any shot of making the playoffs at this point. But I agree with you. I think the Angels match that desperation point as well as the need. And then they might have more arms that are able to send over to Cincinnati to make the most sense of a trade. But I still think those three teams, were there any other teams that maybe I missed that you could potentially see? You know, I was kind of looking at it right now, and it, there, I don't think so, really. That's that's the interesting part, and that's why I think that ultimately it makes the most sense for him to stick in Cincinnati. Like, you're not going to see an yeah. in-division in trade. Like, the Brewers could make sense with Terang not, you know, doing what I was hoping he would do. Uh, the White Sox are too unpredictable at this point. Like, I don't know if they would do it or not. No, they're going to sell. Really yeah, so I think they're going to sell as well. Although that, that is a guy that you're getting for several years, but True. again, I'm not I'm not s subtracting from the farm system there. Uh, the Mariners could make sense because of their second base situation, but Caballero has been pretty good. Yeah, um, I, I think the answer though, ultimately, to wrap a bow on this is keep him. Yeah, because I, I really think you look. We just kind of surveyed the market. Like I don't think any of those teams, besides maybe the Angels, are going to be that desperate. For Jonathan India, you see how dramatic the splits are. This is a guy that hits at home for you really well. Jonathan India is probably best as a red. And I look at the, what the future of the team looks like. I don't really care about Barrero. You can cast him aside. Kevin Newman's been playing well, but 
Obviously, he's not a piece of your future compared to John India. Steer, as you mentioned, can move to first. Christian Encarnacion Strand, one, has to prove he can hit at the big league level, which I think he very well could. He's been awesome in AAA. Two, you can just put him at DH. So I would just love to see the Reds keep him and keep this core together here and keep building forward. I'm going to be very excited to see how the Reds handle this deadline because I think it'll tell us a little bit about you know what their plans are. And we talk about prospects, right? Like you hope Christian Encarnacion Strand can look like what Spencer Steer has done this year. You hope a Noel V. Marte can develop into a Jonathan India. So what's stopping them from trading their glut in the minor leagues of these infielders and exchange those for pitching instead of trading Jonathan India, who has said he wants to stay a red? That's the thing, too. Like he he's not like, oh, yeah, you know, uh, I'm hearing the trade rumors. Like, you know, if it happens, it happens. He's like, no, I would. I want to be a red. This is a Could you blame him? He has a 950 OPS at home. He's, he, he's he sucks everywhere second, else. He's the best second baseman in baseball in Great American Ballpark and one of the worst outside of Great American Ballpark. So if I'm the Reds, I'm keeping him. I just wanted trade rumors yeah. are flying. So I wanted oh, yeah. to bring three teams that could potentially be in the mix there. No, no doubt. But I agree no with doubt. you. They should keep him. There is yeah. no real reason other than we just have too many guys, so let's trade Jonathan India. Trade Noelvi Marte. Yeah. Trade Christian I, Encarnacion Strand. Go get pitching if that's your issue. Yeah. But an infield with Ellie De La Cruz kind of doing the gunner thing, right? Where Gunner went over to third at the beginning and then has now transitioned back to short. Deal with that another time. Just get Ellie De La Cruz in the lineup. You said it yourself. He could be a great defensive third baseman. Then you have Matt McClain, who has just been awesome. Then you have Jonathan India, who is awesome for the Reds. Then you have Spencer Sear who is awesome at first base, right? Yeah. And he hasn't even been that great defensively at third base. He's been one of the worst defenders at third base this season. So even a move to first might help him offensively because it gets that nagging out of your head, right? Of like, shit, I just made an error. Maybe it affects you offensively at the plate. So I, I think it's a no-brainer. I, I think for the Reds, <clears throat> hold on to this core. And yeah, cash in on some of these prospects maybe and go get some controllable pitching if you can. If not, hold set, hold tight. You know, just hold tight. This team is 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 getting there. It's it's starting to get fun. And you know, for Reds fans, they've really latched on to John India since he won the the rookie of the year. I, again, I think this is a guy that's best suited as a red. And he knows that. And I, I think for the Reds fans to kind of build a, a fan base again, they I mean Castellini lost a lot of trust. Lost a lot of trust in that fan base or, or, or from that fan base. And and I think a way to, to kind of show that we, we saw them lock up Hunter Green. Uh, I think you, you can't really lock up Lodolo with the in injury issues right now. Jonathan India seems like exhibit B of the guy that you should extend. Not going to be that expensive. You can leverage the years of control. You know he's going to hit in your ballpark. And that's a guaranteed piece now for the next several years. For a rebuilding team, you just want to be able to check off each position. And I, you feel really good about what the way things are going right now that you can pencil and steer. You can pencil in McLean for the future. You can pencil in Ellie, even though we haven't seen anything yet. You can pencil him in. These are blessings for rebuilding teams. Don't take a step back to take a step forward. So for the rest of this episode, we're going to talk about three guys who are really struggling for teams right now. We got to talk about whether they should be sent down, whether they should be traded. What should we do with them? Then we're going to talk about our So Rare Fantasy Baseball League. Then we're going to end with Arms Prospect Report. And if we're talking about guys that could potentially get, get sent down when we just spoke about Ellie De La Cruz getting promoted, that is Alec Manoa of those Toronto Blue Jays. Alec Manoa, as we sit here today, has a 6.80 expected ERA 
compared to his 6-3-6 ERA. So basically what the expected ERA is saying, he's only going to get worse than he is right now. Alec Manoa has looked, and this we're recording right after, he just gave up seven earned runs or six earned runs or something like that to the Houston Astros before getting his second out, and then he was removed from the game. This is a guy last year who finished third in the American League Cy Young voting. Now, there were some peripherals, right? You look at the FIP, you look at you know all the X stuff, and they say, yeah, he's due to regress to more like a mid-threes guy. And I think when, when we were on <laughs> the podcast, fine. we were like, yeah, like he's not that good. He's not a 2-2-4 ERA guy. But if he's a mid-threes, maybe even high-threes, like that's still very valuable. It's still going to get outs, and the dog in him is what is going to get him over the top. Arm, the dog in him is unquantifiable, but you can see it when you watch Alec Manoa starts. It ain't there. This is a guy who was listed at 260 pounds a year ago. Now he's listed at 285. He looks out of shape. The stuff, the velocity is down across the board on all of his pitches. The command is completely gone. Talk about uncompetitive pitches. The guy starts off with a sinker at 91, like way up in the zone, ball one. Then he throws that slider, ball two, in on the guy's ankle. Then you're down in the count. Then you groove a fastball and they hit it to the moon. This has been the biggest change from anyone last year and how good they were to how bad they are this year. And it's not even close. He has gone from one of the best young pitchers in Major League Baseball to potentially could he survive at AAA. Like you have to send him so far down. He's got to fix almost everything. The dog, the interview, right? Fell in love with him at the All-Star game when, you know, you're hearing him talk on the mound and it's just this grit. It doesn't look even close to that this year. And watching him pitch, you're like, who took over Alec Manoa's body? This guy doesn't look close to what he was. I mean, the fastball being down a full tick and change. It's 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 1.2 miles per hour. Like that's that's a lot. That's a lot. That's a big down tick in the fastball quality. Then beyond that, you talk about the command. I don't know if it's a matter of, you know, because of the down tick, he doesn't have as much confidence in the pitch, or if it's just a combination of both. Now you've seen the down tick and you're you're struggling with command. The, the the thing too is like I wanted to kind of wait and tread a little lightly before we're like oh he's out of shape whatever because people were saying that before the year and I thought yeah. that was unfair before he even gets a shot to pitch but you mentioned it like he's was listed at a certain weight last year he's listed at a higher weight this year and they're usually going to try to do you a favor with those listings and again there's guys that have been able to pitch at that at that you know weight and there's guys that are in good cardiovascular shape. But it's hard to say that he's in good shape if if he's not throwing hard, if he's seeing his velocity dip as he goes into starts, and he looks just like a shell of himself. It's really tough to see. And and I know that Manoa's been a hard worker. Like I know that he's a guy that has grinded to get to where he is. He was not a highly touted uh, high school pitcher out of out of Miami. He he went to West Virginia. He was not. You know, their number one guy right away. He earned his way up there and became their guy and helped them host the first regional. And I think Morgantown since I think in 50 years, this guy has had that dog, but how can you have that dog in you when you are struggling this badly? And I think no matter how fierce of a competitor you are, and Manoa is a fierce competitor, which was a huge part of who he is. Like you said, it's impossible to sustain that when you're this bad. 
So I think that edge is gone too. So it's just, you're seeing everything fall apart around him. Ultimately, I think he's going to be okay. I think he's going to work through this and this might just be a wake up call that he needed. But at the same time, it should never be this bad. Again, if he had a four or five, I'd be like, shoot, he's got to get it going, but whatever. Like he's just going through a, a sophomore slump. This is a guy that is not even able to get through an inning now. So what do you do? Do you send him down? Because this is, we're getting to the point now where the season can get away from you. And every fifth day, we go on your betting stream. What is everybody doing? They're fading out. Why? Because you're at a scheduled disadvantage as the Toronto Blue Jays every fifth day. The Blue Jays can't, in the American League East, you can't do that. You You cannot afford to do this. You can't give away games. You cannot. And that's 20% of your games. You got to send him down, which I hate doing with, with, with young guys that, you know, are coming off a great year like that. But I mean, what else do you do, Peter? Like, would you feel better? I'll boil it down to this. I know he's hurt, but this is for the sake of argument. And and maybe the answer is no. I just want to, I want your honest answer. Would you feel better Alec Manoa on the mound right now or Mitch White? Mitch White. I'd rather Nate Pearson on the mound. Like, it's, it's, it's night and day. This is. Like, this isn't, oh, like, Alec Manoa is struggling. No, no, no. Alec Manoa has, you could make the argument, Alec Manoa has been the single worst pitcher in Major League Baseball. Single worst. He has a higher expected ERA than Luis Medina on the Oakland A's. He has a higher expected ERA than Sean Manaya on the San Francisco Giants. He has a higher expected ERA than Adam Wainwright on the St. Louis Cardinals. These are some of the worst pitchers in Major League Baseball, and he is worse than all of them. You cannot afford if you are the Blue Jays, because it's also the Blue Jays. You mentioned it yourself. You're in the American League East. You don't want to do it to this guy's development, but at the same time, trotting him out there every fifth day for him to continue to get ballooned is Might be worse for his games, and you are falling in the race. They are actively falling in the race. They just lost 11-4 to to the Astros. 11-4. to Like, you are supposed to be a playoff team. Arm, you cannot, if you are the Toronto Blue Jays, you cannot keep throwing him every fifth day because there's no signs of improvement coming soon. There's none. You know what sucks, too? I feel feel for Blue Jays fans because Jose Barrio seems to be figuring it out, at least a little bit. We've got a piece coming up on on JustBaseball.com. By the time you're listening to it, it's live by Tyson Shushkowitz, who does an unbelievable job covering the Blue Jays for us. And, like, He's highlighting how Jose Barrios has kind of been putting it together. It just sucks. It's like, okay, Barrios is finally pretty good. And now Manoa is unstartable. So I ask you though, Peter, like you can't start Mitch White. You can't start Hyunjin Ryu because he's still coming back from, from Tommy John surgery, though he should be back at some point this year, I believe. I Again, I'll have to check the Tommy John timeline there. Mitch White, it was elbow inflammation back in March. One of those guys you hope can get back at some point this year. I think it's a stretch maybe for Ryu, but who do you plug in there? I can tell you farm system wise, Peter, there's not really anybody. You've got Jasper Zulueta, who people love because of the stuff, but he's really already been kind of transitioned into a reliever role in AAA and has struggled with mightily with command issues there. Ricky Tiedemann's way too far away and has battled his own arm issues. I don't really know who you plug in there to pitch for you. So are they desperately canvassing the trade market at this point? Are you just acquiring anything you can get? Like I would, 
I'd be calling the Nationals on like Trevor Williams. Yeah. Anybody, just anyone that's just not going to fuck me every fifth day. Like it's just that, just that clear. Give me five innings, three runs. Give me six innings, four runs. Damn it. I don't care at this point. Manoa is not even giving you that. So I, I don't know. What do you do? Do, Are you desperately trying to jumpstart the trade market right now and, and going to get somebody and overpaying? Absolutely. Absolutely. You have to, you absolutely have to, but at the same time, why not Nate Pearson one time through the lineup and do bullpen games? Teams do it all you the time. It. Look at the Rays. I feel like the Rays are having a bullpen game. For now. Yeah, two out now. of every five games. And then, like, you see the Giants doing it, too. They start John Brebbia, then they go to kind of a long relief guy, whether that be Jacob Junis, whether that be Sean Manaya, and they're piecing it together, and that's working. The Blue Jays could easily just go back to a bullpen-type game, and they can win games with their offense. Right. So you have to do that. That gives you a better chance to win than Alec Manoa. Yes. May it hurt his confidence in the long run. Yeah. But at the same time, the, baseball is a business. You need so to win games. Also getting, Alec- getting shelled, getting shelled yeah. ruins your confidence. Shelled. Too. Like this isn't, he's getting unlucky. We can point to some peripherals and say, yeah, some bad batted ball luck. And you know, there's a couple of dribblers getting through. No, 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 no. Alec Manoa is getting destroyed every fifth day and he is actively losing the blue jays games he cannot be pitching anymore it's just that simple i got one for you actually i actually really like the the bullpen the opener idea because you can go with with trevor richards and and trevor richards has a history of starting with the marlins came up with the marlins um is is a really crafty pitcher but we've seen him kind of click on a different level this year i don't know how if you've checked in on his numbers but he's striking out 14 per nine so far this year in 26 innings, that's a guy that and the underlying stats are even better. If you, he's already gone three innings once this year, two innings, several times, that could be your piggyback guy off of an opener. And that gets you to five. Obviously I think you want to just kind of get to, to the point where you can go get a starter or you get one of your other guys back. But if this gets you through the month of June or maybe up to the all-star break, I, I think that's a hundred percent a better option for you than what you're doing right now if you're the Blue Jays. And that's the silver lining out of this for Blue Jays fans is they couldn't have anything worse from what they're getting right now uh, from Manoa. And they're five games over. They're five games over 500. Their offense is not even clicking on all cylinders. But that's what I'm saying. It doesn't look that great. But imagine if Alec Manoa wasn't pitching every five games, what would this Blue Jays team look like? Exactly. No, exactly. So I think think that, one, they got to do it. Two... There could be better days ahead if they do it. And then hopefully a rejuvenated Alec Manoa rejoins you in the second half. And even if even if he gives you a low fours, I feel really good about this team. Even if he can just be a ground ball pitcher and, and get through the year. So I, I think they send him down. I do. I, I don't know when, but I don't know. How, how can you make him have another start? How can he have another start at this point? I, I don't know how they can do it. So we're talking about the Blue Jays and we're talking that, about them needing arms. And we also said potentially they could use a second baseman. Galaxy brain time. I want to give myself a small pat on the back because my galaxy brain did say potentially Shane Bieber could be traded. And then we get reports a week later saying, yeah, multiple GMs are saying Shane Bieber possibly traded. Now I say galaxy brain a lot. I'm not always right, but it's fun to workshop. A team with a struggling second baseman who has tons of arms is your Miami Marlins. And the Miami Marlins have a Gene Segura issue. Among all qualified hitters, Gene Segura is has the worst 
WRC plus in all of baseball at 36. What does a 36 WRC plus mean? He is 64% below a league average hitter. Not a great hitter. We talked about Gio Urshela having a 101 WRC plus. That's a league uh, average hitter. So fast. He is 64% below a league average hitter. Do you know what the Marlins also have? Tons of arms. Maybe a Braxton Garrett. I'm not saying my galaxy brain, we should trade Gene Segura and Braxton Garrett to the Blue Jays for something. But what are the Marlins going to do with Gene Segura at this point? Because we were talking about a pre-record. There is money tied up with Gene Segura at this point. $17 million over two seasons. Your face looks very unhappy for all those watching on YouTube. What the hell are you going to do? Dude, I, it's funny. I'm glad you brought it up because, like, I wasn't going to go out of my way to be like, oh, like, what do the Marlins do with Gene Segura? But if we're talking about struggling players and what should each semi-relevant, semi-contending team do, like, the Marlins are off to their best start. And I know I didn't say they're contenders. Like, I still kind of put them in the contenders or the pretenders bucket. But the Marlins are off to their best, one of the best starts in franchise history, which says a lot about the franchise, by the way. But they're off to one of the best starts in franchise history. They need to try to fortify this team. They're they're not selling. They're they're trying to get better. So how do you do that when you have your third? And it's not just the fact that Gene Segura has a 36 WRC plus. He's doing it at third base, which is a premium offensive position. So they're giving up endless offense at third base. And there was hope. You got to give him time, right? You got to give him a little bit of time to get going because he's earned that as being a good veteran for, for so long. But I think at this point, 200 plate appearances in, you set the scene. He's been the worst qualified hitter, basically, in baseball. Negative 1.1 F4. The Marlins won't eat the money, though. Like, they just won't. So it's it's one of those tough spots. Like, maybe they relegate him to the bench. But where where are you upgrading? Like, the Marlins, the only way that the Marlins can do something here is if they have a, a clear-cut upgrade. It's the only way I see them doing anything. So I, I don't know what they do because they're just going to keep rolling him out there because of the money. Unless they have a clear, clear, clear cut upgrade. Um, it is worth noting, though, they, they benched him yesterday against the Royals. They're starting to bench him a little bit more. And I mean, how can you roll this guy out there anymore? He went O for, what was it? O for 12 against Oakland. The Marlins teed off on Oakland and Gene Segura was O for 12. Like, if that's, if, if you can't hit against Oakland, you're not hitting against anybody. So, the Marlins and the Blue Jays have a history of trading. Kim Ang could potentially look at a piece like Gene Segura and say, we don't want to eat money. Blue Jays, we know that you guys are in need of arms. When's Johnny Cueto coming back? Hmm. Braxton Garrett. Like, guys like that to help the Blue Jays and say, you guys need to take Gene Segura, though. And the Blue Jays could say, well, yeah, our bench is kind of bad. Like if Gene Segura is just coming off the bench here for us, that could potentially be a guy who's been to the World Series, has that playoff acumen. Maybe he just needs a little bit of a jump start, surrounded by a lineup full of boppers. That's where my galaxy brain is start to go, and could potentially there be a trade within there. So if I'm, if you're Kim Ang, and the Blue Jays are like, hey, we need Braxton Garrett at least. We'll take Gene Segura. Who do you want? What do you think could be a deal there? It's the hard part because it's like you're attaching a player 
Like the Marlins want to get better. And I guess that could be addition by subtraction there. No, seriously. But you're, you're attached. Like they have a finite amount of trade resources because their system stinks now. So if you attach a bad contract to one of your trade resources, you got to get something back. That's going to help you. And I don't know what they could get back to help them. If that makes sense. I mean, is a Kevin Biggio something that you'd be interested in? Maybe again, better. I think he's better. I mean, 64 WRC plus technically double is good. Technically is better. (laughs) It's, it's, it's double. It clears (laughs) up money. It's a really tough spot. It's a really tough spot. Even if you just bench Gene, though, and you trade Braxton Garrett, let's say, because I think Braxton Garrett would instantly help this Blue Jays team. And they need they need a lefty because Ryu's out. They have Kikuchi, but yeah. I think you could use another lefty. Would they subtract from that lineup at all to get a pitcher? Like I, I think what Merrifield would be incredible for the Marlins, but – would they really move with Merrifield? You never That's, know. Never know. Right? Like if they have Biggio and Segura and they're just like, screw it, we need an arm this badly and our offense is so good, maybe we'll move off Whit Merrifield. I mean, at, at the end of the day, Whit Merrifield is 34 years old. Yeah. Right? It's not like I they mean, if it need gets them an him. Arm. And if it gets them an arm like a Braxton Garrett, who has been pretty solid this season. Really solid. I, he, he had a little blip last start and then still settled in, turned in a pretty good start. Like, I think it's become increasingly difficult to to ignore Braxton Garrett. I think he's not not as dominant this year as Bryce Elder's been, but he's just kind of one of those guys that you just you got to kind of respect that he just gets outs, um, and he just gets outs. So, I, yeah, I, I would do it for Whit Merrifield. I don't. I would do that, and you attach the bad contract, call it a day. I I wouldn't hate that. Um, it's just whether they would do it. Yeah. And I, I don't see why they wouldn't. I don't see why they wouldn't. So that would be fun. Regardless, do the Marlins need to like fully bench Gene Segura? Because remember, you're attached to him for $17 million. You're praying something clicks and he can just be league average so you can do something or at least just, just get by. Would you just fully bench this guy at this point? Fully. Just I mean, just even... simply put, you watch him. It's yeah. horrible. He's terrible. Watch him, Marlins. It's horrible. He's an auto out. Like you see Gene Segura and Jacob Stallings following each other. They're just outs. Like and that's innings are done. I, you could just, I'd rather start Yuli Gurriel. Yeah. I'd rather start anybody, really. John Birdie and, and Joey Wendell together. I don't care. Easily. So, yeah, the Marlins got to, they got to do something about that. It's going to be really interesting. And to I'm move off that money would be huge, too. Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. Because then they could go make another trade and take on another contract that you know a team wants to dump that you know they could be a little bit more okay with um so yeah i mean i'm in on it (laughs) and who knows maybe moving gene segura to a better offensive environment maybe just a change of scenery maybe it could work for him too it's like we're not just saying blue jays fans take our trash like it's gene segura right he has a history of being much better than this you could buy low and then get your arm and trade away a 34 year 34 year old Whit Merrifield, who isn't so instrumental to your success offensively. You got Matt Chapman, you got Bo Bichette, you got Vladdy, you got Kirk, you got Springer, you Varsha, like you have so many pieces. So this could potentially help you now. And then maybe you get the best of Gene Segura 
And then at the end of the season, you're laughing at the Marlins being like, <laughs> we just got an arm and Gene Segura actually bounced back. So it could potentially help both sides. Yeah, right? I'm, the Marlins get a utility guy with Jazz now being out who can play center field, can play all over the infield, kind of like a second Joey Wendell in that way, makes them more versatile. Then for the Blue Jays, they get a potential bounce back candidate. And at the worst, they have a bench bat and an arm who's pretty solid. And if the Marlins have to attach a prospect, fine. But I think with the control that Braxton Garrett has, you know, and you said their system sucks anyway, so who cares? Trade yeah, some eighteen-year-old. <laughs> exactly, and you get to kind of not dip into that system as much. You're gonna get Cueto back, who I think, if if he's healthy, should be able to give you something similar to what you're getting from from Braxton Garrett. Like Cueto can at least give you a, a mid fours. And Yuri and, being and this good is huge. Yuri being this good is great. Jake Eater's coming back soon. I, I would do it. I would 100% do it. And I think the Marlins are going to have to get super creative like that. I do know that they've been active on the market already, though, looking at some things. So if you can make a move like that without dipping into your prospect capital, maybe you can make another one too. And, and that's when you dip into the prospect capital. So that could be fun. Galaxy brain. Last player. Orioles fans, we heard you all when you said, watch Jorge Mateo. Look at how incredible he is. So we watched, and we showered him with praise. Haven't heard from you lately, Orioles fans. Arm, what have you seen from Jorge Mateo? <laughs> I was drinking the Kool-Aid a little bit, though. I got I was. We were drinking the Kool-Aid. He was playing amazing. And then now? He had two hits yesterday, which, thank goodness, because up to that point, or, or two days ago, up to that point, that. <laughs> You saw my tweet about the uh, the months. I don't know if I've ever seen such a disparity in months in my life. So March slash April, which is really just April, like I think one game in March, 23 games, 347, 395, 667 slash line, a 188 WRC plus, a 14% K rate. May, 26 games. So only three more games. 128, 165, 151 slash line. That's a negative 17 WRC plus. I've never seen that before. And a 28% K rate. He's doubled the K rate and everything else is, is exponentially worse. The beautiful thing and the most infuriating thing about these Baltimore Orioles is they have not one, not two, three middle infield prospects who would probably instantly be an upgrade. Two of which, Jordan Westberg, who's been one of the best sitters in AAA, and Joey Ortiz, who is an elite defender. So you won't get that much of a drop-off defensively. Obviously, you know, Mateo's still playing great defense. Make your Mateo your bench bat, your your speed up late in games, your your plug and play, you know, for defense. That's what he is. I think that's what we realized. He had a great May or, or a great March, April. That was fun. But this is a guy that steals bags off the bench. This is a guy that's, you know, we're talking about John Birdie. Like, he's John Birdie at best. Yeah. I think. I think it's yeah. clear. So, which is great. That's a good player. Like, that's yeah. a good bench player. You have Jordan Westberg and Joey Ortiz who will instantly make you better. I promise you they won't have a negative 17 WRC. Plus. Please call them up. I'm so sick of the back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Mateo's still playing every day. Every day. Yeah. And the thing is, the Orioles are still playing well despite him. Yeah. 
no, it's, it's not like part. it's not like this like killer thing where it's like an Alec Manoa, right? Where he's pitching every fifth day and actively losing you games. Jorge Mateo is an actively losing you games. But if you're the Orioles and you're competing and you're in second place in the American League East and the window is now opening, what are we doing continuing to play this guy when you kind of know who he is at this point? Yes. And you have all these different pieces, whether you can go to Westberg, whether you can go to Ortiz, right? You have Gunner, you have Adam Frazier, you have Mountcastle at first. Like you don't have any other problems. And we talk about all these outfielders too with the Baltimore Orioles, right? Where Austin Hayes has been great. Cedric Mullins has been great. Anthony Santander has been, has been pretty solid, but then they have other outfield prospects too. So they have all of these guys. So what are, what is the plan now? Michael Elias, Right. What is the plan? We have all these pieces. You obviously still need pitching. What are you going to do? I think step one is to move Mateo to the bench, mm-hmm. promote Jordan Westberg, who is not going to be as flashy as Ellie De La Cruz, but potentially could be a better MLB ready bat right now. Right? He, he might hit the ground running. As, he might as, hit the ground running. He's, he's cut from flashy. the same cloth as Matt McClain. Exactly. Same, same cloth as Matt McClain. And I'd say more consistent body of work. Like McLean really broke out this year. Westberg's been doing it pretty much since he got to Pro Bowl. You look at you look at the WRC plus by year, it's insane. And so far this year in AAA, 308, 387, 601 slash line, 15 home runs, five bags. What are we doing? Uh, but instead they called up Josh Lester. Who a cool story. He's really hit the ground running, you know, over the last couple of years in the minor leagues and has earned himself some. Some debuts. I think he debuted uh, with with Detroit last year for a couple games after going off in the minors, and uh, now is is hit his way up, you know, for a little cameo. I, I'm good. Jordan Westbrook can play every day. Let's do it now, so that by the time you get to July, August, September, he's worked through some of the you know issues that he's had, if he has any growing pains. Why is Aaron Hicks out there instead of Colton Cowser? I know Colton Cowser has been hurt. Now he's back. Already went off right away in his return. Colton Kowser is demolishing baseballs. And again, I understand that there is a big jump between AAA and the bigs. And guys won't instantly rake. But Colton Kowser is hitting 347, 484, 590 in AAA with a 20% walk rate. There's no way that he's going to be worse than Aaron Hicks. There's no way. It's weird. Aaron Hicks has been like kind of okay for the Orioles. Has he been good for the Orioles? Not good, but he's been okay. Trying to, how do I see like just Oriole stats here? Oh, he's played four games. Yeah, he actually has been okay for the Orioles. Yeah. Wow. Five for five for 11 or no, five for nine. Yeah. Okay. Been well, for now, you got a lot of ride it out, I guess. But I agree. But that's not the point. The point is that they have this huge influx and they're in a great position, right? So when you're in a great position, you don't need to give these other guys so much time to get back in the swing of things. Jorge Mateo can be moved to the bench and you could bring up a Jordan Westbrook. Let's say it doesn't work out, move Jorge Mateo back in. But the reluctancy to try and stick with it is what annoys us. You brought up Luis Ortiz for like five minutes and you keep just sending these guys up and back down. It's this ping-ponging effect that's just making us upset. because like there's no reason to be doing any of this. You're only hurting development of these guys. Of the young guys. Uh, it's just like Westbrook's got to be bored at this point. Yeah, um, what what is he doing down there? It's like Matt Mervis when he was on the Cubs. It's just like yeah. he's getting bored down there. It's like just, how many times can I hit 38, 40 home runs in a minor league season to prove that I'm ready? 
And, and if he comes up and struggles, he comes up and struggles. But at least like you know that. And now they can go back and have specific things to work on. But exactly. even if the prospect comes up and struggles, they're not going to be worse than what they're getting right now from Jorge Mateo. Um, so or what I think they'll get from Aaron Hicks in two weeks. So it's, it's like Mervis at weird. first base. Like, right. Yeah. Is it could he be any worse than Eric Hosmer? No, he's been struggling mightily and like he's Eric Hosmer right now. So if he's that, like you're letting him develop. And instead of just having some veteran just kind of be mediocre or subpar for you, you have a rookie that's going to give you the same output and continue to learn and get better and better and better. And hopefully by the time you get to the playoffs, he's a better player. And and that's the that's the goal. And we talk about baseball's business. Matt Mervis, I bet, sells more tickets for the Chicago Cubs than Eric Hosmer did. I can promise you that. He's already probably sold more jerseys. I know that too. I could see Jordan Westberg selling more tickets than Jorge Mateo does. A hundred percent. You want to see guys debut. I mean, well, you're going to see the Reds effect. Alito Cruz obviously is special, but the when Reds website up- crashed. The Reds <laughs> website crashed when Elliot like that's what can invigorate a team too. Because if you're on the Cincinnati Reds today, right? If you're Jake Fraley, you're way more excited than you were a couple of days ago. That could help Jake Fraley, like stuff like that, that it's unquantifiable, but they're human beings. Like that extra jolt of excitement being like, holy shit, we're here. A little bit more focus, right? The Orioles call up Westberg. Now you have an infield of Westberg and Gunner on the left side. Holy shit. That's awesome. Then you have Mountcastle. Like, that's awesome. Then you put Luis Ortiz at second. Yes, Joey. Joey. If, yo, what did I say? Uh, Luis, Luis Ortiz. I'm, Luis. I'm thinking about also the Pirates. Good prospect. Yeah, also I'm think, good prospect. thinking about the Pirates. Yeah, Joey Ortiz at second base. Like, you're now a really young and exciting team. Yeah. Talking the, about the good news y- for the Orioles is they have the upgrade. It's just waiting. So whenever they want to do it, you know. And again, like you found out with Grayson now. Aren't you glad that you know that Grayson has things to work through and now you can address the rotation accordingly? Imagine if they never called him up. They call him up now or in July, and then he starts struggling then. Now you're panicking before the deadline to try to find another arm instead of just, you know, not knowing. Like, so I, I do think that there's important clarity there too uh, in knowing, you know, what your guys can do in the short term and in the long term. So speaking about, we're kind of playing general manager for these teams at this point. We're opening up our galaxy brain and saying what we would do. But now we have the chance to actually prove it on so rare. Yeah. The link is in our bio in order to join our fantasy baseball league, which has been awesome. Arm, give the people the update on how so rare is going. Yeah. So we had, uh, we had some good finishes this past week. I came in 55th out of 112, which sucks. Thank you for all those who joined our league. We have almost 200 people that joined the league. And I realized small hurdle here. I don't know how I'm able to contact you if you came in first. <laughs> so if, if you came in first, DM me. And and like show me like a screenshot of your team and I will will send you some just baseball merch. But regardless, it's really fun to kind of see who of our listeners are so many names I recognize from the mailbags or you know, names of people that are tweeting at us that I that I know. And I'm like, oh hey, they're doing well. Um in first place this this week was was pretty impressive. First, I'll talk about my team because my team, I thought I was gonna be good. I thought we were in good shape. Arias gave me 51. John India played at home, gave me 59. I got 16 from Otani on the bump, which was kind of meh. Can you believe Zach Wheeler got me negative two? Sucked. Just totally hosed me. Absolutely hosed me. Uh, but looking at who came in first, it was Shendell J. 284.44 points. The team actually a wagon this week. Garrett Cole, Josh Hader, Vlad Guerrero Jr., Marcus Semyon, Ronald Acuna, 
John India, Clayton Kershaw. That's Damn. a wagon. And then the second place team was Monster Bucks 95, which was also double must be a twins fan here. Monster Bucks 95. Joe Ryan. We got Jorge Lopez as the reliever. Vladdy Arias, Asturi Ruiz gave him 50. You'll never guess who gave him 69 points. Cincinnati Red. Um, I'll never guess. Well, you, you'll guess, but it's just like crazy. Like this was his high score on a team with Vladdy, Arias, Ruiz, India. His high score was Jake Fraley. Oh, yeah. Okay. There we go. Yeah. You weren't, you weren't guessing that one. No way. Yeah. So congratulations to Monster Bucks. Congratulations to, I got to get this name right. I got to get it. Hold on. Hold on. We got it. Shendel J. Shendel J. And then third place was Boof Dirtbag. <laughs> Boof Dirtbag with a good week as well. Um, so it's super fun. You click the link in our episode description. Uh, you draft your team for free and you get to compete in this league. What's also cool is if you finish as, as high as, as these folks finished, you get a free limited card. And the limited cards are those competitions where you can win legitimate, you know, money prizes from so rare or more cards that are also worth money. The limited cards, you could also sell if you wanted to as well. Um, I I obviously am having a lot of fun entering the limited competitions. I got a free limited card from how my my first lineup kind of did. Uh, finished really well. I think my first one was like Austin Gomber. And I was like, all right, bugged him <laughs> and he had a good game. And I kind of built the team around him. They have starter packs, which are really good deals. If you want to get into the limited teams where you go on so rare, you go to the market, you buy a starter pack. It'll get you a group of limited cards for a discount. And that can kind of like jumpstart your, your limited team, especially if you do win a prize where you get a limited card. Um, the rewards are always fun. Cause you don't know what player you're going to get. It could be Mike Trout, a limited card, which is worth like 150 bucks, 200 bucks, or it could be, you know, Austin Gomber, like I got, or, or someone random like that. But again, if you just enjoy competing for free in fantasy, draft a team with the link in the description, join us, see where you stack up against us. And you could have the chance to win a card of, of monetary value and build your team that way, or you can win some JV merch as well. So check out that link in the description for so rare MLB. And to end the podcast, Arm Layton's prospect report. My so, favorite time of the week. We ask Arm, which type of prospects should fans expect to see soon? We talked about Elliot La Cruz. We've talked about Matt McClain. We've talked about a lot of these prospects. Andrew Abbott, they're all Reds, but that they're all getting promoted. Who else in the minor leagues is catching your eye right now? So I'm going to keep the same energy because if the Orioles weren't annoying enough, what if I told you they have another middle infield prospect who's starting to make waves? His name's Cesar Prieto. Cesar Prieto, 24 years old, just turned 24 this month. He's in double A. He is absolutely raking. 348, 397, 478 slash line. Gets even crazier though. This dude is walking more than he strikes out. 13 walks, 11 strikeouts in 200 plate appearances. That's a second baseman. That's another guy too. So again, like, Trade from this surplus, please. Like, you have another guy on his way. Cesar Prieto, very underrated in this extremely talented system. In triple A? Double A. Should double be a. in triple A. I mean, dude, he's walking more than he strikes out in double yeah. You know why he's not in triple? 
because they have a million middle infielders. There. <laughs> yeah, There's can. a log jam that is going all the way from Jorge Mateo to Cesar Prieto. And guess what? Jackson Holiday's on the fucking way too. It's not going to get any easier. Please, it's stressing me out. Like, clear it up a little bit. It's really stressing me out. Giant. It goes so, I just love that conspiracy theory. It goes so much deeper than Jorge Mateo. It's, it's all the way to the bottom. Everyone's backed up. The Giants are starting to like look good at the big league level, Peter. And remember when I ripped on them for not developing prospects recently and like really mm-hmm. struggling with that? We got a breakthrough besides Casey Schmidt. We got a breakthrough, Luis Matos. Remember how much I used to talk about Luis Matos? You loved Luis Matos. Loved Luis Matos until he hit 211 last year and just was terrible. He was hurt. A little bit more context there. Like he was trying to play through an injury, missed time. Now he's back and healthy. And we had him top 50. And then going into this year, you would not have found him on one top 100 list. Here's the Luis Matos I thought we were going to see last year in double A, 31 games. And the Giants, I think, have their center fielder of like next month. 304, 398, 443. Here he is. Double A. More walks than strikeouts. Gets the bump up to triple. By the way, he's 21 years old and only 21 and four months. 17 games in triple A thus far. 397, 434, 551 slash line with a 7% K rate. He's hitting the ball harder. 104 mile per hour, 90th percentile exit velocity for reference. Average is about 101.5. And he's walking as much as he strikes out. I don't know who they're going to move or what their plan is. We talked a little bit about it on the call-up because you got Conforto playing well. You've got Yaskramski right now. You've got Hanniger. You could put one guy in the DH spot. But Luis Matos is their center fielder of the future, and he's showing out right now. I think he's been the most impressive hitter in the minors this year. The problem is they also have Chuck Peterson, too, who is on the IL. But Conforto yeah. and Yastrzemski, as we sit here today, are both day-to-day. They might potentially be in the lineup, but, of course, they are still dealing with just nagging stuff. But do you think Luis Matos could be the giant center fielder by August? If if they clear up a spot, yes. I, in terms of his ability in a vacuum, yes. Like, I think he's ready. It, this is a guy that's just leveled up in triple now. Like, he's 90% zone contact. He's He looks like, I think, one of the more rare combinations of bat to ball and above average power. And he's a good defender in center. I'll be making a thread on him soon and probably uh, turn that into a, a TikTok because there's he has just floored me. One other Giants pitcher that, you know, remember the Giants were talking about, oh, yeah, like we won't rule out calling up Kyle Harrison at some point, right? Yeah. The command has just been brutal. At least it was brutal out of the out of the gate. And then there's another guy, 21 years old in AAA. But as of late, he's starting to show signs of life. He had a more than that. He's looked great. He had a blow-up start in his second start of the year. That was back in in May. Since that blow-up start, 35 and a third innings, 2.80 ERA, 61 strikeouts, 26 walks. Still way too many walks. And they're not stretching him out too much. But the pure dominance from a 21-year-old in terms of swing and miss in AAA is really impressive. If he can just hone in on like Dylan Cease-level command. He could be like a lefty Dylan C's. So we just need, which isn't now. Now it was a great comp last year. Now it's like a shaky comp, but you know what I mean? Like the, the, the command is just not there, but he's still dominating hitters way older than him. A few more names real quick. And then you can chime in on, on whoever you want me to, to expand on. If there's no, I'm having else. a good time just sitting here. Okay. <laughs> Emmett Sheehan of the Dodgers. We had a question on the call up mailbag today. Who is the, the next best 
you know, Dodgers pitching prospect now that, you know, you got Bobby Miller about to graduate. My answer is Emmett Sheehan. He's second in the minors in strikeouts. Part of that Tulsa drillers, the scary Tulsa drillers rotation. Three pitches that are looking like plus to me. Fastball is just disgusting. Just jumping. Then he's got to change up off of that, which it's, it's Gavin stone ask. And then he's got a slider that is just wipe out. You look at his last 30 innings. He has given up, what is it? Two earned runs in his last 30 innings, 48 Ks, 11 walks. He mm. should be caught up to triple soon. And I think this is a guy that could end up helping the team at the big league level. I think he's already ahead of Gavin Stone with the step back we saw from Gavin Stone. Incredible. The Tulsa Drillers. I mean, it's just, drillers. it's such dodger shit like it's so annoying of course they have the best rotation we've seen in the minor leagues in a long time ever. the dodgers like, do ever. it's not like it's the pirates or the I nationals wish. you know or another team not like even that. like the marlins like the not, marlins just, not even the guardians no it's it's the dodgers the dodgers it's the dodgers let's keep going i got three more names for you actually Samad taylor of the royals not the most exciting prospect in the world but I call him Whit Merrifield light, like plays second base and outfield flies, sneaky pop 27 stolen bases in triple a this year. He's hitting 290, 387, 425. I highlight him because I think he's going to get called up and I, like, cause the Royals obviously don't have many guys blocking him. And I think he'll actually be an exciting player right away for the Royals, for our fantasy folks. Like that's guys can steal bags for you uh, for our so rare folks. Like the second he has a card, definitely scoop it up. He'll be a good underrated fantasy option the guy that we were the high guy on in terms of just baseball prospect rankings i think we we're the only ones that had colt keith of the tigers in the top 60 and he's poised to climb even more there's a non-zero chance and and i think higher than than non-zero like i i think there's a legitimate chance colt keith could debut this year for the tigers that's how good he's been 21 years old in double a 321 396 563 slash line 10 home runs he hits the ball so hard while also not whiffing much for a big power guy still needs to find a defensive home second base third base he's a little shaky at both but he hits the ball so he's like edward julien but i think a more well-rounded hitter and i think wow. a slightly better defender slightly wow. better defender as well i'm serious like he that's is a big comp good. we had him 66 yeah. before this year and he is 157 wrc plus and double yeah. so hit for the cycle this guy is insane one of my favorite prospects right now in baseball. So look out for Colt Keith at the Tigers. He is their top prospect now. Wow. Clear cut. I won't hear anything else. Who else and could then, be in that conversation just quickly before you move on to your last guy? It would have been Joe, but you know, he's hurt. Yeah. I would have still had Colt Keith ahead of him. People liked Chase Young. I always thought Colt Keith was better. Uh, I don't, I don't really think that there's much of a case for, for anybody else at this point, other than, you know, Colt Keith with how dominant he's been. Some people like Ty Madden. I think he's awesome. I think he's a really exciting pitcher. He's been a lot better this year. But again, none of them have that all-star type of upside that I think Colt Keith has with the bat. Wow. All right, so who's the last one? This is a guy that I think you will love to watch. Remind me to send you video later today. Jacob Mizorowski, Brewers right-handed pitching prospect, six foot seven, 21 years old, Sits 98 to 101. Jeez. And from the 6-7 release point, somehow releases it low and it takes off. He has been dominant in low A. Another guy that has, you know, a little bit of command questions, as many six foot seven, 21-year-old pitchers have, but 
So far this year, 26 and two-thirds innings, they've been careful with him. 46 strikeouts. He continues to look better and better. The last outing I watched, he went five innings of no-hit ball, five actually perfect innings, nine strikeouts. This dude, if he can hone in on even average command, fastball is a 70, slider is a 70, curveball is above average, just give me 45-grade command, and this guy could be a light-out arm. He's got the fallback of what I think is one of the grossest high-leverage relievers if, if he doesn't find the command. Um, so Brewers, Jacob Mizorowski, that's a dude. And that'll do it for this episode of the Just Baseball Show. We covered a lot. Hopefully you guys all enjoyed it. And the best way to support this podcast is to support our partners, whether that be BetMGM. Of course, the link is in the episode description. And join our Fantasy League for free on SoRare. That link is in the episode description. Another great way, another great way to support is to get yourself some Just Baseball merch. That is in the episode description. We see Arm rocking the Just Baseball hat. And if you don't want to spend a dime, no worries at all. Well, so rare is free. But again, if you could rate and review this podcast five stars, whether that be on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts, we are up to almost a thousand five-star reviews on Spotify. We greatly appreciate your guys' support. That's Arm. I'm Peter. And with that, thank you for coming.